So tonight we're going to continue going through the book of Revelation and we're in this section where really everything that's going to be taking place moving forward has a heavenly overtone and there's going to be things that are happening in heaven and things are going to be happening on the earth simultaneously. And as we saw last week, uh, John, uh, who is the, the writer of this uh, epistle, this communication from Jesus to him, it's all about Jesus. That's why it's called the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we saw that last week John was called up into heaven, that the Lord wanted to show him the things that were going to take place in the future. So this is where we get the prophetical side of this particular book. And so tonight, as we look at Revelation chapter 5, it really is a continuation of Revelation chapter 4. And we're going to see that as John stepped into this heavenly realm, that God allowed him to see things spiritually. But listen, he also allowed him to see things progressively. So there were things that he could see immediately. And then as, as the moments went on further, um, his clarification uh, regarding the things that he would see and understand would also grow. I do believe, guys, that this is what life in heaven is going to be like. We're going to continue to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. We're going to continue to, to know of His nature, to, to learn of Him, and our, our lives are going to continue to go uh, deeper and deeper and richer and richer in the fellowship with Jesus. And that brings us to where we're at tonight because, guys, I know if your heart was anything like mine. Uh, it kind of sank a little bit when the president got up and said, hey, there's going to be another month of this quarantine. There's going to be another month uh, where we need to kind of stay isolated and stay away from people. And, and if you're like me, I'm a relational person. Um, I love people. I love being around people. I love hanging out with people. And so to, 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 to not be able to gather together specifically with the church Man, my heart just gets heavy. And yet I'm reminded through the scripture that we're going to read tonight that God has something even greater. Have you ever wondered how on earth that God is going to work out all things together for good? We know that his word in Romans 8, 28 declares that. So it's a promise that we hold on to. But if we're honest, guys, there are just times where it just doesn't feel like none of this is ever going to go away. And yet God wants us to be so connected to him, so connected to his word, that when these things come, we remember that, that we have for ourselves an anchor for our souls. We have for ourselves Jesus Christ, the righteous, who is our propitiation, and not only ours, but also for the whole world. And it's, it's in times like this where we need to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And knowing that for the joy set before him, Jesus would endure the cross, despising the shame. And listen, it says that he has sat down at the right hand of the Father, of the majesty on high. And what is he doing? He's living to make intercession for us. And yet tonight, we're going to see what the culmination of all of those things are. So I want to encourage you tonight, stay with us. And I want to encourage you tonight to lift your eyes into Jesus and really, guys, be blessed. Because as I, as I said just a little while ago in our little intro, I promise you this is the ultimate worship experience. Because tonight we're going to see that worthy is the Lamb who is praised. So tonight, 
Revelation chapter 5. Let's look at verses 1 through 7. John writes, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much. Because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the, and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him, who sat on the throne. So the question is asked, the statement is made, who is worthy? Well, we see John here, there he is observing all things. And like we said there in chapter four, he observes the throne room of heaven. He sees the father seated upon the throne. And, and the things that are to take place in the future, these are things that we want to hold on to, not just as um, the end of the story, but it is our present reality now. Remember in Ephesians, Paul said that we are seated in heavenly places right now. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places right now. So this is our reality. And there's going to come a moment where where we are physically and what we've known to be true prophetically, they're going to collide. And this is going to be our reality just as it was for John in those moments. So he's been ushered into the court of the king. And there the, the Almighty is seated upon his throne. But here in verse uh, 1 of chapter 5, it says that he saw, he was able to observe that there was a scroll in the right hand of the one who sat on the throne. So whenever you see that phrase, the right hand, he's referring to the authority and the power of, in this case, the one who sits upon the throne. So the question that have, has had many people debating over the years is this, what is that scroll? There's a number of different things, but I do believe the Lord um, uh, is going to ultimately reveal those things in its fullness when we get there. But I also know that he's given, given us enough of, of, of these things from his word that we can start to put together some of the things and at least we know we're on the same page with what's going on. So what is the scroll and what does it mean? Well, a couple things. Number one, understand this. When it says that there's a scroll and it has things written on it, in this case, it's written on the front and it's written on the back. I, I, I want to say to you this just as a reminder. We have the fullness of God's word. We know that everything that God has wanted to, communicate to, wanted to communicate to us, we have. The Bible says that it's in Christ that we live, we move, we have our being. The Bible makes it clear that all scripture has been given by inspiration of God and it's profitable, right? It's profitable for what? For doctrine, 
for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, listen, that he may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. But there's a lot of things that are in this, a lot of symbolism we see in the book of Revelation that isn't just symbolism for its sake, but it has direct uh, ties into what was happening also in the time of John. So if there was a scroll and it was sealed up, um, it would have obviously some very uh, important information written on it. And, and when we look at this particular scroll, the way that it was written, the way that it had writing on the front and the writing had on the back, the way that it was sealed, not just once, but seven different times, we understand that it has to be a very, very important document. And back in the Roman times, when John was living, um, if the emperor would want to leave a will uh, to his heir, it would need to have uh, these seals upon it. And in here, in this particular case, it would have one seal from the person who has written it, one seal um, for the heir, and then there would be uh, uh, the other seals would be the witnesses to the, the will itself and to the parties that would be involved. And so there's one aspect of this where people say that this is a will. Um, in other words, it has the fullness of God's will for his son, Jesus, who is an heir. Now, what's interesting about this is we read in Revelation chapter 10, verse 7, and we'll get to that here in just a little bit. It seems to be that the scroll might be the, the, the fullness of that will. He says here, but in the days of the, of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, he says, listen, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. Now, that is, uh, that is an indication when he brings up that phrase there, um, uh, the servants of the prophets, it, it means there that, that God had intended for the mystery of, of the Messiah to come would be fully fulfilled when Jesus finally came to the earth. But that wasn't the fullness of everything. It was just the fullness of Christ coming as Messiah. There's another part of this. Christ would come, he would live he would live the life that we were supposed to live but could not live. But then he would turn around and die the death that we deserve to die. And he did that. But then three days later, the word tells us that he rose again. So the fullness of this is, is being displayed. But there's even more to it because God has an eternal plan uh, set up in place for all of us. So one aspect seems to be that it perhaps could be um, a, a will of some sort. I'll touch on that here in just a little bit, uh, a little bit more in just a moment. But then we see there's this. Some people believe that this could be a title deed to the earth um, when Adam willfully sinned against God back in the Garden of Eden. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we understand this. He says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest that light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. We also know in John chapter 12, Jesus said this, now the judgment, now this is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. 
So there are those people that think this is the title deed that was lost by Adam. Remember, he told Adam to go into all the world to subdue it and to, uh, to have dominion over it. But listen, in the garden, when he sinned against God and was cast out, there seems to be the indication that at that moment, Satan began to have an influence over the, the earth. Um, we know there um, in... Uh, in these other verses that it tells us that the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. So there are those people who believe that what Jesus is receiving is the title deed to the earth. Now we have to be careful about this one in particular because it would almost seem as if God lost control of the earth and now he's finally getting it back. That is the furthest thing from the truth. God has never left his sovereign throne. God has never abdicated authority. In fact, Jesus would tell us in Matthew 28 that all authority has been given to me. And who's the only one who can give that authority? We know for a fact that it's only God the Father that can give the authority. We know that, that Satan has no authority or no ability apart from what the Father allows him to have. If you read Job, you find out right away that, that, Job, that uh, Satan is only allowed a certain amount of things to do that he can do with the permission of God the Father. So, so there is that. But I tell you what, this does really play into where people are at today. Because people are filled with doubt, they're filled with fear, they're filled with anxiety, they're overwhelmed at their current situation. And listen, one of the first things that they almost always do is they begin to question God. They begin to ask God, to question Him. It's okay if we ask God questions, but it's another thing to question Him altogether. God is not to blame. Listen, Paul said it like this in, in Galatians chapter 6. He says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh... Listen, will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit of the Spirit will reap everlasting life. So there, there's, a, there's a, a physical consequence to these things. And then there's, there's the spiritual side of these things as well. And so this scroll, nonetheless, uh, the scroll is in the hand of the Father and he's offering it out. And so this, it says this strong angel comes on the scene and he begins to, to declare. And he, and he says this, he said, who is worthy? Who is worthy? This is a very interesting question because um, notice that he didn't say who was willing. You know, if somebody was to ask who was willing, I think I want to think that all of us as as servants of God, as children of God, we'd be willing to say, I, I'm willing, Lord. But that's not the question. It wasn't a matter of willingness. It was a matter of worthiness. Who alone was worthy to actually take that particular scroll? Who was worthy to take it from the hand of the Father? Who was worried uh, about perhaps this title uh, deed to the earth? Who was able to pay the ransom for the debt that was owed? But I love that this is really more of a declaration. 
This was more of a declaration um, than it was just a question because think of it like this. Imagine, you know, in sports, um, uh, at a concert, you know, there's always somebody who comes out beforehand. They kind of act as a herald, right? And they begin to proclaim out these things and they begin to, to declare and get everybody's attention because the star of the show is about to show up on the scene. And that's what's happening. But the problem was there was nobody there who was going to come and to take the scroll. No one was worthy. And that's why it says, John says, I wept. <laughs> this word wept here is a very unique one because it just doesn't mean he shed a tear, you know. It means that he was sobbing. He was sobbing uncontrollably. And again, remember, his vision is, is progressive. He's seeing things a little bit more at the, at the time. What he wasn't able to see at that time, he wasn't able to see the one who was in the very midst of the four living creatures, who was in the very midst of the the elders that were there, who was in the very midst of the very throne of God himself. So he wept because there was no one that he could see that was worthy. He wept because he knows mankind. He knows that there's no one on earth who is worthy. And and guys, I want to pause there for a second because I want to remind you, there are people today who believe that they can be right with God through their own efforts. You know what we call that? We call that religion. Religion is man's attempt at being right with God on their own behalf. But it's not about religion, is it? No, it's not. It's something deeper than that. Something more intimate than that. It's something that, that is absolutely necessary. It's about relationship. And so John, he wept. But there was good news coming, guys. And I, I, if I can just communicate this right now, hold fast. Whatever season you're in right now, be content in that. Be content right where God has you. Don't, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not lose heart. For in due time, you will reap, the Bible says, if you faint not. Hold on. Why? Because He is coming. The one who is worthy, He's coming. He he hasn't forgotten about us. He hasn't forgotten about you. he's, He's not unaware of your situation. He knows what's happening in your life. He knows what's happening in your heart and your mind. He knows what you're fearful of. He knows what you're anxious about. He knows what you're overwhelmed with. And and I really believe, guys, that he put this chapter in the Word right here for times just like this so that we don't lose heart. And I love it because he says... He says, looked, and I, and I looked and behold in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. I love here that it was the elder who said this. Notice that we have this this declaration by the angel, but did you notice that it was the elder who proclaimed this? The the elder was the one that gave comfort. 
I'm going to talk here in a few minutes about who I believe these elders are. I, I kind of teased you a little bit with that last week. But I think this is, this is the full revelation of who these elders are. And I love that it's the elder that's given him the, the news, the good news, that the one is coming, the Messiah. And I love the names that he gives him. He says this, he says, there's one who's in the midst. And he calls him the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, if you go back to Genesis chapter 49, there in verse 9, you, you see that, that in the midst of this, as he's beginning to talk about this lion, it's really a reference to that future time when the Messiah would come. And, and, and I love this because this helps us to understand the, not just the title, but the lineage that, that the Messiah has. He comes from the tribe of Judah. It was to Judah that it was promised that the Messiah would come. And so this is a fulfillment of that. We, we see that not only was it promised back in the Old Testament, but when he came here in the New Testament, and there at the end of the New Testament, we see that God has fulfilled what he said he was going to do, that the Lion of the tribe of Judah has come. And, and I love this because, listen... We see that in Peter and a few other places that, 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 that Satan is described as a roaring lion. But listen, he's a copycat. He's a counterfeit. He always tries to counterfeit everything about Jesus. Because he can't be who Jesus is. So I love that the real lion, the, the, the real true God has stepped forward. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And guys, listen. This speaks of his eternal promise and of his power and of his authority. But then he also calls him the root of David. Now, notice that it's a root. It's a root, meaning that it preceded David. This is important because there are some people that will try to say that Jesus, though he, even though he came from the lineage of, of David, that he could not be God because he was just a man. But no, this, this assures us that Jesus preceded David. He is the eternal one. And, and I, love that he, I love that he chose to come under the banner of love um, as from the lineage of David. David was a man after God's own heart. Yeah, David messed up, <laughs> you know, that Jesus would even associate with people who mess up tells us just the love that God has for us, the love that Jesus has for us, that he would even be willing to be named amongst us, that he would associate himself with us, even though he is without sin, even though he is perfect in all his ways, he chooses to associate himself with us. He is the root of David. But did you notice there what it says? It says that it looks as though he was a lamb who was slain. And I take great comfort in that, guys, because listen, God has set it up from the beginning. He set it up that, um, that there would need to be a sacrifice. The, the very moment that Adam and Eve sinned against God. We see that there in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the very first prophecy of Scripture was given. And what was it? That Jesus would come and that he would prevail over Satan. That he would crush the head of Satan under his foot. We see here that Jesus has prevailed. And I love this because, guys, listen, this is an overwhelming 
statement. This is a statement, guys, that should take every fear, every doubt, every anxiety. It should just cast it all aside. Because this shows the, the, the depth at which God loved the world so much that he would even be willing to count his son as that sacrificial lamb. He was willing to do it in my place and in yours. And all of heaven is observing that. He says that he was a lamb that was slain. You guys remember back in Genesis chapter 22 where uh, Abraham had been waiting for so long to have a son. And he finally had the son of promise. He finally had Isaac, whose name means laughter. And he was so overjoyed that God would fulfill the promise that he made to him. But God was going to put Abraham to the test and he went up on the mountain and he took his son, his only son. And he took with him a bunch of wood and they made an altar in this place. And there's Isaac and he's looking around and he's like, uh, hey, wait a second, something's going on. And in Genesis 22, verse 7, but Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham said, my son, listen, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. In John chapter 1, verse 29, the next day we see John the Baptist, he declares this, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7, he says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he, this is the Messiah, opened not his mouth and he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as the sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. But I love this because I think this verse here out of Timothy really does show us what's happening in heaven right now. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, he says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, listen, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. This is the testimony. That due time that Paul was talking about right now, it's right here in Revelation chapter 5. It's being testified that there in the midst of all things, at the very center of the universe, at the very center of worship and praise, we see Jesus, the Lamb of God, as though he had been slain. Listen, there ain't nothing in, in heaven that's going to be man-made except for one thing, and that's this, the very scars of Jesus. That's the only man-made thing that's going to be in heaven is the scars that he bore on that cross for us. And so where do we find him? We find him in the center of all things. It talks about his horns. It talks about his eyes. Does Jesus have horns all over the place? No, it doesn't. What's this a reference to? It's a reference to his power. Anytime you read about horn in the Bible, it's a, it's a reference to strength. Whenever you talk about eyes in the Bible, it's, it's about uh, knowledge and understanding. So these two attributes right now are describing Jesus as the all-powerful, all-knowing being. He is omniscient and he is omnipotent. He's full of power, but listen, he's also full of grace and 
truth. I love there in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. It says, and Jesus came and spoke to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things which I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now here's what I love about that. Not only does it speak of his power and his authority, but it also speaks of his presence. He's told us that he will never leave us or never forsake us. He will be with us always. Whatever you're going through right now, just know that Jesus is in your midst. Just know that according to Ephesians chapter 1, the moment you said yes to him, that the Holy Spirit came as a guarantee to take up dwelling in you to ensure that, listen, that he's going to start the work and he's going to be faithful to complete that work in you. So we see here in verses 1 through 7, we see that Jesus, the lamb who had been slain, is there in the midst. And when he's presented, what happens? Well, look at verse 8. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll. And to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, as such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Man, that is a worship service, guys. That, that, that is it. Jesus, there he is. And John is, is witnessing the culmination of everything that was ever prophesied about him throughout the ages. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, has taken his rightful center stage. All glory, all honor, all power, everything that is due to his name is being proclaimed as not just a truth, not just a, a would-be, not just a, a was-be, but Jesus is the I am and it is, is his ever-present state. Jesus is glorified. But notice there, listen, he has taken the scroll from his father's hand. Who is worthy? It's Jesus. And he took that scroll. Jesus, guys, listen, he is the heir of the Father and he is taking the inheritance that was promised to him just as it was foretold. I think back to Daniel chapter 7. And Daniel, we just finished covering this just a few months back. We saw in this particular prophecy and this is that moment where it came true. 
Daniel said, I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he came to the Ancient of Days and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, all nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 1 said this, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers through the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son, listen, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, listen, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And all that God has promised, everything that he intended for the son, he has given. And I want to remind you guys, listen, God tells us that we are also joint heirs with Christ. All that God has promised to the son, he is also going to share with us. And I love this because, listen, as we're watching all of this unfold, understand this is for you. God wants you to know that this is what he has in store for you. That the son is going to be glorified. That all that he had promised him is going to come true. And that we are going to be partakers of that with him. How do we know? Listen, the four living creatures, which are a representative of those who are in heaven. And then the elders, which I believe are the representatives of those who are on earth. Those who are the church. People asked me last week, hey, who are those elders? Listen, guys, I believe it's the church. The representatives of the church are right there. And listen, just as it said in Ephesians, he says that we are seated in the heavenly places. What do we find the elders in heaven doing when they first get there? They're seated on their thrones. Jesus says, hey, you're going to come and sit next to me. This is a representation of us. Now notice this. They fall down and they worship Jesus. How do we know that? Well, number one, he says that they sing a new song. But number two, the first word out of their mouth is worthy. That, that word there is where we get our word worship from. We are worshiping God right there in that moment. This is the ultimate worship experience. And this is what's happening in heaven. But also notice this, that these guys, they're holding harps and bowls. You know, I, I can't play the guitar to save my life. You know, I can strum okay, but I, in my left hand, I have the dexterity of a spoon, right? It just, I just, I'm no good at it. But I'm hopeful, I am hopeful that maybe someday when I get to heaven, I'm gonna get a chance to play that harp. I'm hoping that someday... Whatever I'm strumming will just be a musical melody that is just a joy unto the Lord. Right now, I just make a joyful noise. That's about as good as, as I can get. But I love this because it also shows that they have these golden bowls. It's this incense. And he says, listen, it's the prayers of the saints. 
And, and listen, and as I was reading that, I, I had to literally pause for a moment just for my own heart to be reminded that, that God is always listening when I pray. God is always paying attention to the cries of my heart. He knows my thoughts from far off, the Bible says. And, and listen, as I'm praying, as I'm crying out to Him, He says, call to me and I will answer you. If you've prayed something and you've wondered, maybe, maybe God didn't hear me, or, or maybe, maybe the answer is no, I, I don't know. I just know that God has your prayers. He has your words, and He's collected them all. And here they are as a representation in the bowls that these guys are holding on to. In Revelation chapter 8, verse 3, it says, Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much, much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. So we see that, that, that our prayers are kept right there with God. And what are they doing, guys? They're singing. What are they singing? A new song. The, the better translation probably for a new song is an excellent song. It's not a new, right? It's not new in the way that we would say new. It's new meaning that it's excellent. It's pristine. It's perfect. And this was a song that was being sung um, uh, by these elders and by the four living creatures. And it said there that, that there were angels all around. And it says that the number was this. It was it was. 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. In other words, all of heaven there was singing this new song. And what were they singing? Listen, the first thing out of their mouth was that you were slain and have redeemed us by your blood. That's how I know that this is the church, guys. Because who else but the church was redeemed by the blood of Christ? Who else could be redeemed? It wasn't an angel. Salvation is for us, guys. And, 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 and I want to remind you that you've been purchased by the blood of Christ. This is the song, guys, of every believer. This is that moment, guys, of affirmation of our faith in Christ. You want to know what the payoff is? It's this right here. That, that we get to proclaim, that we get to sing a song unto the Lord, declaring of His worthiness, declaring of what He has done for us. We were, guys, what? We were dead in our sin. But we've been ransomed, we've been rescued, we've been redeemed. And it was by His blood. I love how Peter puts it in 1 Peter 1. He says, Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct or attempts by your, uh, received by your tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Paul said in Romans chapter 3, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace, listen, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation. That's a fancy word, guys. It just means a substitutionary payment. 
And how was it paid? By his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at this present time his righteousness that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Listen, if you have placed your faith in Christ, if you've trusted him for your salvation, then you are saved. You are saved by the blood of the Lamb. You are saved because His blood, the blood of God Himself, was shed for the sin of the world. And not only for my sin, but again, for the sin of the whole world. And He says, listen, that gathered around there, it was was put together this, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people. I love this. Because listen, it eliminates all division. There's nobody who's going to stand at a higher rank than somebody else. Everyone that is there is there because Jesus Christ has saved them. It doesn't matter what country you came from. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what your social class is. All that matters is this, is that you were a sinner who needed to be saved by God's grace through faith in the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross for my sin and for yours. And everyone that is standing there, listen, they're standing there because Jesus' blood has covered them. You know, John 3, 16. How many of you guys know that verse? I know, you guys are saying it right now in your head. All the kids are like going, oh, 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 I know that verse. They do, they know that verse. Ask him, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world would be saved. There's no more divisions, guys. There's not this church or that church. There isn't the church of this or the church of that. There isn't the church over in Poland and then the church over in Peru. There isn't the church over in Hungary, the church over in Japan. There's not the church of the United States. It's the church of Jesus Christ. And everyone who is called upon the name of Jesus Christ will be saved. And there they are as proof that God has no partiality with anyone. Anyone who comes to him and calls upon his name will be saved. And I I love that because, listen, the moment that this song was sung, verse 11 says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels. And they all began to, to proclaim the same thing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive, listen, power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. So what does all this mean? Let me just sum this whole thing up. He's worth it. You can't just try Jesus. You can't give him a shot. You can't think that it's going to be Jesus plus something else. And church, I want to remind you, it started off with Jesus saving you. It's going to continue with Jesus still saving you. There's nothing that you can do to add to your salvation. When he tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, he didn't say to work on our salvation. He said to work it out. It means to grow in Jesus. It means to grow closer to him. Whatever your circumstances are, listen, I don't know if some of you have lost your job. 
I don't know if some of you have run out of toilet paper. You know, I, I don't know what your current situation is. I don't know if you're anxious. I don't know if you're overwhelmed. Some people that I'm getting word, they're depressed. Listen, the Bible says anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But a good word makes it glad. Guys, tonight this is that good word. The good work, the good word is this, is the work is finished to telestai. It's paid in full. Jesus has done it all for you. And tonight you get, you get a glimpse into heaven to see what that day is going to be like. I don't know about you, but I long for that day. I don't know about you, but, but I, I am just, I am ready to be with Jesus. I, I love people and I love the work that God has called us to down here, but I just desire to be with him. And I can't wait because on that day, that is going to be me with whatever my voice sounds like. I'm going to be lifting up my voice. I'm going to be lifting up my hands. And what am I going to be saying? I'm going to be saying, worthy is the Lamb. I'm going to be proclaiming, uh, worthy are you, Lord, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing. It's all due to His name. And we're going to take off those crowns that God has given us and we're going to throw them at the feet of Jesus. And we're going to proclaim our love for Him for all eternity. That's what I'm ready for. How about you? Are you ready for that? Listen, as I was talking about that in the devotion this morning, Paul says, I have learned to be content. I've learned to be content when I'm full. I've learned to be content when I'm hungry. I'm going to say to you now, listen, be content with where God has you right now. Just know that that's coming. Just know that no one will ever take that away from you. I love how in, in, in Peter, he tells us that we have an inheritance that is incorruptible. We have an inheritance coming to us that can't be taken away, that's not going to diminish. Listen, it's going to continue to grow and grow and grow. Why? Because listen, God is going to add to the church daily those who are being saved. And listen, I don't know about you, but I want more people to go. I want to continue to preach the word in and out of season. I want to continue to preach the gospel. I want to continue to see people saved. I am hoping and I am praying that through this season, God will get, his, get this world's attention once again. That they will know that he is Lord. And I'm hoping and praying that after this, that our churches are going to be packed out with more people who are hungry for the living God than ever before. Is that your prayer? Stay strong. Stay faithful, church. Don't give up. He who has begun the good work in you, he will be faithful to complete it. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father, I thank you tonight.